This podcast is produced by Unedited. Not self-love when, but self-love now. You know, like rather than just going, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love myself when I get here, or I'm gonna love myself when I get to this point. No, just love yourself now. But some people have been built up around conditioning, trauma, you know, from their parents, listening to how they talk about themselves or other people. They don't know how to love themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even know what love is. So we have to start to learn what that is to be able to understand what we're trying to give ourselves back. That's Ryan Evans, and this is episode 196 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. I'm a coach who helps people to be more present in their lives so that they can live a life of abundance and clarity. And on this podcast, we hear the stories and tips from some of the most inspirational people in the world, learning how to take the small steps every day to improve your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And on this week's episode, I am joined by Ryan Evans, who is a holistic health coach, a gut health specialist, and a biohacker. And Ryan's way of living is really fascinating because his attempt at life is to hack his way back to a natural habitat through the environment around him. And this conversation is full of so many interesting facts, so many honest parts of the discussion, and it's a really open chat. And we talk a lot about sort of tiny bits of areas around biohacking and what it is but we go into a lot of detail around the importance of small acts of self-love, how gut health relates to your mental health, the fundamentals of reconnecting to nature and body image issues around men. So the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Ryan. Hello and welcome, Ryan. How you doing, man? Good, man, my brother. How are you? I'm very well, man. I appreciate you... um, staying up uh for this i say staying up it's not that late where you are in australia it's nine o'clock but it's quite late so i appreciate that i love your energy man i love Thank what you're you. putting out there i love your message um i've had a look at you know your content and some of your previous podcasts and uh it's just nice to connect with another brother that's doing the same sort of work man so yeah bless thank you very much i appreciate it man and likewise i think i discovered you um to prove that sponsored posts do work I, I i discovered you for one of your sponsored posts popped up on my feed oh like, really oh, this, this guy looks interesting <laughs> and i clicked on your profile <laughs> and i was like oh, okay cool and then i sort of just yeah. just sort of soaking up a few of your posts and like scrolling down it's a bit stalkerish really i scrolled quite far to see like so i like to see like where and how someone's journey has kind of began and how they've kind of got into everything because you know from your point of view you're like a holistic coach right but there's always something that's kind of kick-started that and what I discovered like through scrolling through your feed is that it doesn't take very long to notice that there's quite a lot of pictures down your feed where you look totally different. Um, <laughs> so I'll let Just you talk about what, yeah, I'll, talk, I'll let you talk about what that was, but do you want to give the, those who are listening a little bit of a um, idea about your journey from, from that time in your life to like where you are now? Okay. So... Yeah, I won't go too much in detail about it because people can really see a lot about my story there. Um, But in regards to how I've changed as an individual over the last few years, I'd say I was a very uh, plugged in, conditioned individual. Um, I was into my bodybuilding, into my self-image, into how I looked and was perceived by the world and the people around me. I was always interested in how I was viewed by others. So how much money I had, what car I drove, um, how my muscles looked, if I had a six pack, what girl was on my arm, 
all of those sort of things that I felt were important to me to make me feel special as an individual. Um, and then a couple, three years ago, my mum got diagnosed with bowel cancer. Um, my, I split up with a partner, my nan died, and my, one of my dog died, well, my dog died uh, all in the space of a couple of weeks. Wow. So uh, it was a big sort of nervous breakthrough, as they would like to say, you know, for me. Probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, really, and really made me take a, a, a look at my life. At that time, I was really sort of big into drugs, um, taking lots of steroids, lots of drugs, class A's, all sorts of different things that um, were sort of standard in my world of living. And then once I, my mum was ill, I got more into drugs, more heavily into prescription drugs and taking huge amounts of you know, um, prescriptions that would really sort of knock out a horse until I finally, um, my mum got better and I was like, I need to change. This is not right. And I ran out of drugs one day mm-hmm. and I was withdrawing from them and I was shaking and really struggling. And I didn't know I was addicted to these, these pharmaceuticals at the time. And I've called up a friend. I've got a couple of friends that are doctors and in that area. And I said, you know, what's going on with me? And it's like, you're, you're addicted to these drugs, right? And you're having a withdrawal. You need to come off this stuff slowly. And I guess that was the catalyst for me. It was the, the learning of the addiction. Where did the addiction come from? Where was that pain stemming from? Where were these things that I um, built on top of myself? So what was this armor I built for myself? I like to think of myself as a snail, you know, so yeah. the real me is like the, the slug inside and the shell is all the conditioning and the environment, environmental stuff that has been put on me from such a young age. Mm-hmm. So I guess with the coming off the drugs slowly over the years, uh, well, over the months and years, yeah, um, all the different drugs, I guess, um, my shell was starting to come off and I was starting to unravel as this slug. And I guess that's what you see now. I'm a slug. So, uh, but I'm more of a, um, a vulnerable, feeling, um, compassionate slug more than what I was. Love that. I don't I think made that analogy up there. Yeah, I was going to say, so. no one's ever used a slug analogy before. I love that. Um, but no, I think it's great, man. Cause I think, I think it really, it really shines through because you are quite honest, even on your, on your Instagram, like with that journey, there's always, you know, constant references to like how your life used to be and how you used to show up and the things that you used to do versus where you're at now. And I think having that vulnerability and even admitting that like, this is how I was living and I thought it was great, but ultimately I've discovered that it's not so great. And that can be, you know, like for you, it was drugs or body image or whatever, but for many people that could just be a way of living. It could be chasing a job, chasing certain, you know, um, money, chasing, you know, things to, to make yourself feel better when, when actually you can only really do that work by looking inside yourself, looking at the slug rather than looking at the shell because you can paint the shell to make it look however you want, but you can't change the slug. Yeah. I love that. Paint the shell. And that's pretty much what I did, man. I painted my shell and uh, yeah, it was the stripping down of that and realizing that I'm already quite a well-painted slug in the inside, you know, without the shell, mm. I didn't need to paint the shell in the first place. And, it's realizing that self-worth and that self-love for myself that's took me down this journey and all these different practices that I've learned along the route, you know? So my background is really in science. Um, that's what my background is. And um, then now there's this sort of duel between science and spirituality and they sort of come together rather than just being all about science or all about spirituality. I believe we'd need balance like everything in life. There's, 
I need I needed to find my own balance, and that's what's it, what the work that I do now really is. Is I wouldn't even call it work; it's just what I do is what I enjoy doing. It's my own purpose. Mm, I love that, and I, I wanted to kind of touch on the 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 body image kind of thing um, again because I noticed I screenshot a post this morning, and I saw you posted up earlier today, which said. What if instead of beating yourself up for not having a body look for not having your body look a certain way, you thanked it for getting you through all of the tough times in your life? So what is mm. what is the the deeper meaning for you behind that post? Mm. Yeah, well, even when I rip that man, like sometimes I write my these little quotes. Sometimes they're ones I've got, but I'll normally quote the people for them. But this that is uh, normally like a little message that I'm saying to myself. So and I just put it out there. I just mm-hmm. write them out. I'm very, very out there with my stuff. So hopefully it makes other people and other men and other brothers feel like they can share and, and do that stuff. So for me, it was that we live in a world now in a society where we're men, women, women have had it for years, generational trauma for women, but men for more so in the last maybe five to 10 years, maybe more than that. Um, it's got to a point where we are only worth something if we are worth what our six pack is and our chiseled jaw mm. or how big our bum is and how small our waist is and all this constantly berating of our physical bodies that we need to look a certain way to be happy. And I'm all about being healthy, right? I'm all about that changing your physique because you want to be a healthy person. I'm just not pro being that you need to look that way in order. That's the link you're missing in regards to your happiness. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's we're just we're just constantly berating ourselves all the time um, because we're told that we need to be this way to 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 be happy. And I, you know, I fell for that victim, you know, thing since I was 14 years old. Wow. Mm. You know, just constantly comparing myself to other other men and and, and movie stars and and comic books and everything was about the big masculine man and it's just like actually do you know what just thank my body for all the shit it's got me through all the stuff it's got me through all that um things that the all the 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 challenges that have come up in my way i just thank my body now rather than berate it all the time Mm. and i think i think you're right when you said like the 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 whole link to self-worth is like if you're constantly looking at yourself thinking I could be better by doing this. Or if, if I look like this, I would be better. Or if you're constantly looking at yourself and putting yourself down, you're never going to have that feeling of self-worth because you're always going to find the next thing. Right. Which is why I have a big thing about, you know, any kind of, you know, plastic surgery, if it's not, you know, needed, if it's something you're trying to do because you want to look better, you're always going to find the next thing. You might get your lips done or you might, you know, for guys, you might get ab um, implants, but you're going to look for the next thing. Then you might think, oh no, but my biceps aren't big enough or my thighs aren't or my calves or, or whatever it is. You're going to, you're going to continually go down that path and you're never going to find this satisfaction that you're looking for because it's always going to be one step ahead of you instead of actually going, actually, I, I am the satisfaction. I am, I am satisfied. I am content. I am happy, you know, as I am. And that's, that's where the, the, the kind of, the seed and the breeding of the self-worth comes from is being able to look at yourself and go, actually, I am complete. I'm fine as I am. Mm. Which is, uh, which is a trigger, which is a, you know, a a, a very hard place for us to even sit in for a while, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the thing is, is not, 
not self-love when, but self-love now. Mm-hmm. You know, like rather than just going, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love myself when I get here or I'm going to love myself when I get to this point. Um, no, just love yourself now. But some people have been built up around conditioning, trauma, um, con- you know, from their parents, listening to how they talk about themselves or other people. They don't know how to love themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even know what love is. So we have to start to learn what that is to be able to understand what we're trying to give ourselves back. And it's very easy for someone like me talking to you now going, oh, you've just got to do self-love. But for those people that are really struggling, they don't know how to do self-love. They don't even know what self-love even means. It just sounds like a really you know, good word that they need to understand, but they don't know it. And you've got these people saying, you know, just give yourself, you know, tell yourself you love yourself, tell all these things you love yourself. And I just think that's unrealistic. Mm. There's some people that can't do that right there and then. And it's okay to not have to love yourself every day. Yeah. But maybe you can show yourself little acts of self-love in actions rather than telling yourself, oh, I love myself today. Yeah. Maybe just a little action, a little, a little thread, like what could I do for myself? Maybe I'll nourish myself with a good meal today. Maybe I'll... Tell I'll thank my body in the shower for letting me stand up and take this shower. Just the small little thing, yeah. that small little act of gratitude that might just give us that bit of a boost on those days. Yeah, I really love that, and I think I think you're right. I think trying to start from the point of self love when you don't know how can be very hard. Like I, I get a lot of comments, especially recently, because I've been making a lot of like content on like Instagram and TikTok around like self love, self acceptance. And the amount of people mm. who comment on those posts saying, but how do I love myself? Is it's actually quite shocking because mm. we've we've lost this sense of like how to appreciate ourselves for the smallest things. We think we have to be this marvelous, complete, unique, you know, special <laughs> creature that we've got created in our mind to be able to love ourselves. But it's mm. like, no, actually, a lot of a lot of the journey of self-love is about self-acceptance. And like mm. you said, that can be the smallest thing. That can be like, do you know what? I really like the fact that I woke up today and I I could get in the shower. That is amazing. I really like the fact that I had that healthy meal. I like, you know, whatever it is, this, it could be the smallest thing. And especially right now, man, we're like in the middle of a pandemic and it's like sometimes just getting into the shower and getting out of bed and putting yourself in the shower could be the biggest act of self-love for the day. You know, mm. like uh, I think we're too hard on ourselves and what and what that means. I think it's the small things that add up to the big things. And, you know, I'm very particular in, in when I work with like coaching clients and stuff. And when I talk about it, it's like talking about the 1%, like look for the 1%, be it something you're working towards or be it, you know, your self-love journey. Just do one thing, small thing today that adds to that journey of self-love. And all of those little 1% are going to add up over time. And then over time, you will look back and you'll go, oh, actually that wasn't that hard. That wasn't that bad. Like all I did was these little things. And now like I, I, I can fully, you know, live in that, 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 that place of self-love and self-worth. Yeah, brother. I feel you there. That's amazing. I love that. I, I watched your video actually on the 1%. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah. I resonated with that. It's really nice. And uh, just gives people that little, those little tools. And that's hopefully what this is about. It's giving those people those little tools in order to, Give them the power to heal themselves, I guess, mm-hmm. and to at least look into that. And that's really what I do for work. I just give people, people come to me sometimes, and I deal with people with chronic illness and 
you know, Crohn's and cancer and diverticulitis and gut diseases, all sorts of different things. And they sometimes come to me to fix them. But throughout the process, I realized, they realize actually I'm doing this. I'm doing all this work myself. Ryan's just given me a few tools here and there. Mm. And that's what it is. And they, the, the biggest thing I hear from clients at the moment is, oh, I fell off the wagon. Yeah. I don't like this terminology. I'm like, oh, I don't like this fell off the wagon terminology because it, it, if you ever meditate, you sit and meditate and your mind goes off straight away. It just goes. To, uh, no matter how long you've been meditating, it will go off and it will look at, think about something else, what you've got to do later. And you just bring it back. Just that awareness that you've had your thoughts and you bring it back to your center of attention. It's exactly the same as anything you're trying to achieve for your goal. So instead of looking at yourself as I fell off the wagon, just go, oh, I'm aware of that. Mm. I'm just going to bring myself back into my, my consciousness, you know, rather than berating yourself for falling off this wagon or yeah. for, or for not, you know, that's what. Yeah. I mean. And I think sometimes you, you, you can, I'm, I get super deep when it gets to autumn, like every year, because it's a season that reminds me of how cyclical life is and how cyclical nature is. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, we are the same. And that might mean that if you are, you know, meditating, for example, you might not meditate for a couple of weeks, but that's fine. That just means that it's a season where you're allowing all of the great work you've done with meditation to soak into you. And then when you're ready and, and your, your spring in, in a way starts again, you're ready to begin that journey and continue it and it's sometimes we we think it's like either or but it's not like everything's kind of connected you know we're, we are part of this bigger picture and you know you look at autumn and i know you're in spring where you are right now but when you look at autumn it's like there's a lot of like death and decay around on the trees like the, the trees are dying basically the leaves are falling mm. off it's dying but it looks beautiful and it's a transition season but it looks beautiful i'm like i'm looking out the window where i am and there's golds there's browns there's greens there's reds and it looks stunning, but when mm. that happens to ourselves in our lives, we don't take it in that way. We talk about it as like falling off the wagon. Well, nature's falling off the wagon right now, but it knows <laughs> that it's gonna it's gonna get to it's gonna get to winter, which is gonna be completely off the wagon. But then spring's gonna come back round again. And I think sometimes we forget about this cyclical thing. We don't have to be in summer all the time. You know, yeah. even, even Australia is not in summer all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely isn't. I've definitely acclimatized already. But no, I, I feel you there. And I think maybe in the West, um, we've really sterilized death, mm. you know, in general. We've sterilized it. We've made it like it's a really taboo thing. But in the East, it's, it's classed as a, you know, like a birthday. It's like, oh, they've passed on to wherever they've passed on to, you know, like whatever you decide to believe in. And they've passed on to that and it'd be a beautiful thing. I was actually just talking with my partner about this the other day. I said, like, if I ever die, I don't, I want it to be a, a thing of what I've done in my life. I want it to be an exciting and good thing. I don't want it to be a, a, a negative thing, but we do that with everything in, in our society in the West. It's like, oh, you know, the trees are all dying or the plants are dying. Yeah. But actually they're just falling off to be reborn like us as humans. And yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there that, yeah, we are, we are cycle. We, well, we are cyclical beings, and that's what we do. We shed our skin, we shed our microbiome, we shed our our bodies, we shed our conditionings, we shed everything, and it goes through cycles. And just like a woman goes through a moon cycle, mm -hmm. a man goes through a sun cycle. So we regulate on a twenty-four hour cycle. So when the sun comes up, we get all of our energy, our yang energy, and there's the 
sun goes down and the moon comes out, we sort of start to wind ourselves down. Whereas a woman runs on a that, that big moon cycle. Mm-hmm. You know? So they run like through that their their bleeding and everything like that through the the moon cycle and stuff. Yeah. And it's we we are so connected to nature in that way, right? And I know that a kind of a lot of the work you do is kind of trying to reconnect us to some of the natural elements that we're lacking in our lives, right? And the the kind of morning to nighttime thing comes to mind straight away with like evening routines. I know you've kind of got certain things in place that you do to kind of, you know, hack, you know, what we call it hacking, but it's not, it's, it's more reconnecting to like actually what, yeah, man. The, what nature <laughs> yeah. is about, right? So what, what are some yeah, of the things that you do, you know, in your evening routine that allow you to kind of reconnect to that kind of naturalness that we're supposed to be living instead of like all this technology and stuff happening all the time? Mm. Yeah, I mean, our, uh, biohacking is uh, the terminology that is mostly used now. Is It's been around for years. It's just an act of self-care. Mm. That's all it is. And it's an act of hacking your environment, in my eyes. My opinion on it, my view on biohacking is hacking my way back to my natural habitat, exactly like you said. So I don't really, I don't even believe I really talk about that a lot, but it's really nice that you noticed that that's what I was trying to do with my message. And mm. um, you're the first person that's probably said that to me. So that's really good because that's literally what I do. I try to hack a non-natural environment that we live in, you know, to as natural as I can. So mm-hmm. I live pretty much off grid. Um, I try and regulate my body with the sun as the sun comes up. And if I'm staying up and using technology like I am now, which is amazing, and I get to use all this stuff and this lighting, I wear blue blocking glasses and try to regulate my circadian rhythm through that protection. Um, there's lots and lots of things I do, you know, in regards to how I hack my way back to nature. But the best thing you can do is get yourself into nature mm. and be in it, you know, and, and being it. And regardless if that's just going for a walk with the dog in the forest and really paying attention, not on your phone, it's does so much healing for our bodies. Our nervous system relaxes in nature because our nervous system knows this is where we're meant to be. We're not meant to be in flats and in buildings with lights on. We're meant to be outside in fires, in tribes. We're meant to be being brought up by our neighbors and other elders and hunting food and catching food and being grateful for food. But we live in a society now where food is just bunged on a plate Mm. and vegetables are just got off a shelf um, from Brazil or from wherever they are. And it's just like, there's no, there's no, we don't, we don't have a lot. We've just got such an abundance of things um, like light and hot water and all these things that we sort of take for granted. And until you start to live off grid and your water can get short and your hot water can turn off if your electric doesn't, or you don't have Wi-Fi, like me and you had to keep rearranging this because of that period, it really can be, yeah, you know, thing. So I guess my thing is about hacking my way back to nature and adding in little steps that don't feel natural to me to try and get my body to think that it's still nature. Mm. I guess that's, I guess what that's would, what would you say is, is some of the, the fundamentals of that, like in terms of, you know, we, I'm assuming that everyone who's listening has access to technology because they're listening. Right. And I'm assuming that everyone who's listening lives in some kind of built up, um, urban environment be it a city be it a, a, a small t- a town whatever it is right 
what are some of the things that you would say are the fundamentals you've obviously mentioned going out in nature but are there any other things that we can do kind of day to day to to hack our way back to this reconnection to our natural state of being or living Mm. yeah so getting outside and grounding first thing in the morning so getting your feet and socks off shoes off i know it's about to go to winter over there (laughs) so i don't know how long you you'll be able to be outside in the grass there but connecting back with the earth so I sleep on a grounding mat. Whilst I'm talking to you now, I'm actually on a grounding, grounding earthing mat whilst I'm talking to you. So my body is still grounded to the earth. So it doesn't, um, so it's, we're still getting those negative and positive ion transference. Um, getting out in sunlight first thing in the morning to kickstart that circadian rhythm. As the sun or the daylight hits our brain and hits our optical lobe, it stimulates you know, cortisol and gets already, us ready for the day. And that also helps with our melatonin production in the evening, as you probably well know. Um, And then making sure we're hacking that sleep again in the evening and limiting our light exposure with the blue light blocking glasses, et cetera. Um, I'm also a big fan of connecting naturally by our breath. Mm. So I know a lot of people talk about breath work, but I actually like it as in tribes we would – Uh, Well, different tribes do different things, but most of them um, all occur around the same thing with chanting or rituals or some form of gratitude for what they believe or where they got their food from or that people survived. So they would do like big chants or breathwork techniques in these sweat lodges Mm -hmm. to help their bodies connect back with Mother Nature. So breathwork for me is not just about hacking my nervous system or hacking my amygdala. Um, or helping with my immunity or inflammation. It's actually about connecting back with nature. So I'll try and do that outside, you know, maybe one or two rounds in the morning, first thing, and then I'll sit out and meditate or I'll do some yoga and some stretching. Um, but it depends on what we need to hack. Yeah. So if you live in a if you live in a flat, you know, your your thing is gonna be wanting to sleep grounded. So you can buy earthing mats to sleep grounded. You wanna make sure you are still getting outside. You want to try and limit your tap water usage and try and have filtered mineralized water and just those little tweaks and things as you go along through your life, you start to go, oh, can I do that a little bit better? Mm. Can I do this a little bit better? And you just slowly do it over time rather than stressing yourself out about doing all the hacks in the world. Maybe just do one thing at a time as they come up, you know, when your deodorant runs out, can I get one that hasn't got a flammable sign on it that I'm going to spray on my body? Can I find a more natural one that's going to be better for my body? If you look on the back of an ingredients of a toothpaste, for example, it says, do not swallow. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't make sense to me unless yeah. I'm going to, unless I'm going to eat something, I don't want to put it on my skin. My skin's the biggest absorber on the body. So it just makes sense to me that when things run out, have a look at that say, is there another way? And if that calls for you to do something, do it. Have a look into it. Do your research. And that's what I did over the years. And then it opened up this big rabbit hole of all these different <laughs> avenues, you know. Yeah, it's like Alice in Wonderland. So once you go down the rabbit hole, you you, you start finding more and more. Because I remember when I first started to hear about this idea of like, I don't know, whether you want to call it bio, biohacking or like mm. you know, um, reconnecting back to like nature or whatever it is. It's, it opens the doors up so wide because you start to learn about so much stuff, which we're not really educated on, you know, and you know, one of the biggest is lighting, right? Like you're saying you've got blue blocking lighting on because 
essentially our eyes take in blue light during the day and that lets our brains know that we're awake and at night when the sun goes down we we take in more i think it's more red light isn't it or, or whatever and mm. I, I know even our eyes in pure darkness adjust to black and white vision because we we can no longer see color because there's no light and that releases certain chemicals it's melatonin but we we're not we're not taught this stuff we're not taught why after I've just spent the last two hours on my phone and watching Netflix on my laptop, I can't sleep. <laughs> it's like, because we're not supposed to have all of this light coming into our body at such a stage of the day before we go into bed. Um, so I think it's really fascinating that it's starting to become more and more popular, but like I said, once you do get down the rabbit hole, you're, you're fully in wonderland with it. And there's so much to kind of <laughs> explore and discover and try. It's, it's really good. Yeah, and it's fun. And I guess look at it like a hobby rather yeah. than an obsession. So when I first started getting into it, you know, what I what, what took me down this path of hacking my biology was because I was so scared of having anxiety and panic attacks. Mm. And again, and again, and again. So I was like, Oh, what's this? What's that? You know, with my, my background in dietetics and gut microbiology, I was like, there's so much more to our systems than what meets the eye. So I was going down these little rabbit holes. And, you know, anxiety is not a disorder. Uh, it's more a symptom of a root cause, you know, and looking to be corrected. So we just need to get to that root cause, find out where the anxiety is stemming from, because there's always a root cause to it. We don't just have this overall stimulation of anxiety. So I was going to this root cause, finding it, finding it, finding it slowly. And, and as I was going through that, I was unpeeling all these different little hacks, and these different little things that I could find out, you know. Like, what's a random one that now is starting to get a bit popular, but when I was doing it, was I was the crazy one. So I was wearing my red blocking glasses, but I, wore, I wear mouth tape and I go to sleep and um, to make sure that I'm nasal breathing um, whilst I'm sleeping. But people still look at me crazy now, but it's starting to become into, people are starting to, you know, read about that and understand it. Um, but that's just one little hack that you can do that will literally change the way that you go to sleep and the way that you wake up in the morning instead of having a coffee nasal breathe more whilst you're sleeping you won't need a coffee yeah yeah and this this is something actually i'm quite interested in because i've only started to really hear a lot about this like you said more recently because it's starting to become one of the the hacks that's becoming popular is is the nasal breathing and, and, and mouth taping and can you explain a little bit about like the benefits of it? Because I think when we think of mouth taping, we think of some sort of like <laughs> Liam Neeson movie where our mouths are like duct taped shut and you can't breathe. So like yeah. what's the kind of the idea of it and, and the approach that you take to it? Yeah, sure. So there's many benefits for uh, nasal breathing. Nasal breathing is, you know, mouths are for eating, noses are for breathing. That's just how our biology and our systems and physiology are meant to work. That stimulates lots of neurochemicals in our body. That stimulates the vagus nerve, which is the connection between the brain and the gut and everything else in our bodies. And that only happens through nasal breathing. And when we breathe in our sleep, most people without realizing will breathe through their mouth because either they are overweight or they are congested or they've just got small navel cavities and they struggle with that actually being open. Now, my nose has been broken multiple times from professional fighting. And when I had them, well, I couldn't ever breathe. So I'd always breathe through my mouth. Plus being a big, strong man, hmm. um, I was 125 kilos, 24 wow. stone at some point. I was a big guy. So I could, I was just like <sighs> breathing through my mouth. And I wasn't getting any um, CO2 actually into my body. And it's actually 
when we breathe through our nose, we get something called nitric oxide production. So nitric oxide production, nitric oxide is a vasodilator and it really helps with our bodies giving the right amount of CO2 into the body. Now, it's not actually about getting oxygen in the body. The body's already got oxygen. It's got lots and lots of oxygen, right? We're actually over oxygenated our bodies. What we don't have is enough CO2 in our body to release it into the cells needed, into the muscle tissues needed. So when we're breathing in our sleep and we're mouth breathing, we're actually just over oxygenating again. And we're actually not going into a deep enough sleep. That means uh, we're not getting as much cellular repair whilst we sleep. And it means that we're waking up a little bit more stressed and a little bit more anxious. And you've seen the links between nitric. If you have a look in the research, the nitric oxide um, deficiency is one of the biggest causes of um, ADHD, um, anxiety disorders, low mood and depressions. They're all, all of these, um, these uh, things are very multi-layered, of course, but one of the big things with nitric oxide um, deficiency is that. So honestly, you just put a thin little um, layer of mouth tape over your mouth, just sideways. You can still breathe either side of your mouth mm -hmm. um, and you close it down, open up your nasal cavity with maybe one of those nose breathe openers, put some silicone earplugs in and go to sleep. You know, we want to sleep like we're in a bear cave. It needs to be cool, needs to be dark, needs to be quiet, needs to feel safe. You know, they're the big things. So if we can hear car doors opening and slamming um, or people talking in the next room, our nervous system gets triggered because it doesn't know what it is when we're, when we're sleeping, even though our brain, our, our, we can actually hear it. So this really gives our bodies a chance to fully rest, open up our nasal passages, get that nitric oxide production in and wake up a little bit more refreshed and a lot more energy. And it was such a game changer for me in my healing journey mm. and through lots of my clients that have really struggled with mental health stuff um, or whilst they're dropping lots of weight to start using their nose whilst they sleep. Oh, wow. That's, that's super interesting. I'm going to, I'm just thinking as you were talking, I'm going to give it a go this tonight. I'm going to get a little bit of tape, put it over my front of my yeah, head. Do it. I get on. So microspore tape, it's just a little tape that you get from like a chemist. It's, you want quite a strong one, otherwise it will come off. Mm. Um, but Matt Patrick McEwen is the, I interviewed him a while ago. He's the, the 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 pioneer behind this, really. I learned it off him a few years ago now, and I interviewed him, and he goes really in-depth into the science. But mm. um, it's really, really interesting work. And honestly, try it. Let me know how you get on. Alex. I will, I will. Know. And I think, do you know what it is as well that came to mind? is like I think we forget the power within our breath. Like, you know, I'm very big in meditation, and... You know, a lot of meditation is a focus on on your breath and breath work, right? And a lot of it is breathing in and out through the nose. And I think that what I've noticed really well, and when when I'm working with people, and even if people like are commenting on some of my posts and they're like, you know, what do you do if you've got an overactive mind? It's like it really can sometimes be as simple as like when you catch yourself overthinking, just stop and take three or four really deep breaths in through your nose and out through mm. your mouth, and it it it's a great reminder of like being just present in general. And it's amazing how, when you take that focus away from this thinking mind and just focus on something as simple as your breath, like all of those thoughts fall away because that's all they are. They're thoughts. They're just things that are, are going on and existing as thoughts in your mind. But when you come back to the breath, they fall away. Even if it's just momentary for those three, four breaths, that like it shows you the power of actually connecting and being present 
but because it's such a natural feature for our bodies like it clearly has a lot of benefits to it in terms of like health and what you're explaining about nasal breathing so yes i think we 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 forget that connection we have with our breath because it's just something that happens you know it just goes without us even thinking about it. we're breathing all the time but it's a really powerful source of like calming connecting yourself to the present and also you know having these amazing benefits um through to what we're intaking through our nose through co2 and all these other you know reactions that happen when we do that so yeah i think it's a fascinating thing for sure yeah it is man it really is yeah and and another thing that i'm really interested in you've mentioned a few times is is your gut because i know there's a lot of research and there's some people who who talk about you know the gut is the brain of the body the real brain of the body and all of this kind of stuff so what what is that link between your gut health your physical health and your mental health mm, the link is massive so as you might know my my background is in gut microbiology so that's what i really studied when my mum had bowel cancer and i was told that i had an incurable gut disease that was only going to be cured through medication and and maybe a colostomy bag at some oh, point wow. in my life. And the only way to be healed of that was keep taking antibiotics and hopefully it will go away. Um, and I was like, nah, <laughs> that's not a, not a thing. I delve into my research and what I had and what I figured out. And I ended up going down the route of getting a stool test. This is many years ago now. I've done multiple since then. Um, I actually went into a stool test and I actually had no good bacteria at all. I had no beneficial bacteria. And that would probably be from my wild past of party boy, you know, past and the amount of drugs I took and all the, the other chemicals I took to make my body look a certain way, destroyed all of my bacteria in my, my body. Multiple use of antibiotics and medication, stress, all of that killed it off. So I had no bacteria in my, in my gut. And this was when I found out I had this disease. And I was like, well, okay, well, that's, that makes sense. So I looked into um, fecal microbial transplants. Have you heard of those? No. So a fecal microbial transplant is basically somebody else's poop. Okay. Um, that's got a really good healthy microbiome mm-hmm. and inserted into you. Oof. So I looked in, yeah, it doesn't sound pretty. So I looked into this and I went to a place called the Center of Digestive Diseases, and which are the top people that deal with this and fecal microbial transplants are healing people left right and center from manic bipolar schizophrenia depression anxiety and at this moment i was severely anxious panic attacks really in a bad way and i was like right okay well i'm gonna look into this stuff i want to cure my gut anyway and maybe it will help with my mental health um so i looked into it to actually have a fecal microbial transplant done it was 10 grand a pop so i was like well I'm not paying for somebody else's poo for 10 minutes. (laughs) So with my background and my understanding about the gut and how things work and how I need to do, I actually just asked the the doctor, what was his process? What was his protocol? How did it work? Tell me about it. And he told me literally the whole protocol. And I was like, right, okay. I went home, I researched it. I done it myself. So I got my partner. So me and my partner are very close. Um, my partner um, to do a stool sample as well, check if she had any parasites, anything else going on in her in her body, or any what her beneficial gut bacteria is. And because she's Australian, she has the best gut bacteria known to man. She's never ill, never even took antibiotics in her uh-huh. life, which is very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, she never took an antibiotic um, in her life, and 
I basically figured out how to do it. And basically I done a fecal transplant from my partner to me. And within two days, my incurable gut disease was cured. Wow. So I went back to the doctors and they went, what have you done? And I was like, (laughs) you don't want to know. You do not want to know what I've done. And it cured it completely. Um, Within three, four weeks, my anxiety dropped dramatically. Um, You know, my mood was lifted. I had more energy. I felt less aches and pains. I was a different person than what I was before Mm. and how I was. You know, I was really deficient from all of the bad gut stuff going on. So this is, you know, obviously I've gone around a long way around this. This is what took me down the path of knowing that there was so much power in our gut bacteria and that when you've heard those people saying that the gut is the first brain, I truly believe that the gut is the first brain. It's the epicenter. It's the hardware of our computer system. You know, it it focuses everything. It's the signaling of everything. If you think about it, your brain wouldn't be able to work if you wasn't having the calories to consume it, to give it energy, to fuel it. Mm-hmm. So it needs fat, it needs carbohydrates, it needs what well, some people will say it doesn't. It needs, it needs sources of, of fuel to be able to work efficiently, otherwise it slowly starts to shut down over a period of time. So it's only through our gut that gives us that energy and sends it up to the brain through the vagus nerve anyway. Mm. So you know, the gut is where 90% of our serotonin is, 80% of our immunity, Our melatonin is signaled for our serotonin. You know, everything is connected there. Our endocrine system, you know, everything is made and signaled within this area. So when you've got people that have got really severe depression, but they don't know why, Mm. which is more so, which is more so more common, not that someone that's had a really traumatic event happen and they're depressed from it, you can actually say, well, actually, let's have a look at your lifestyle. Let's look at your gut bacteria, what's going on. And you can really start to see these similarities. I don't think I've ever worked with a client that has a severe gut problem that doesn't have a mental health issue. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just don't see it, you know? And it depends. What I'm seeing a big correlation with is patients that have severe anxiety and different types of gut issues. And then you've got people with low mood and depression with other types of gut issues. So it depends on the issue and what's happening. So we know through research that the, the bacteria lactobacilli is a very is the one that regulates our mood and how we respond to stress. Now, funnily enough, the lactobacilli bacteria is like a little empath. So when we are stressed, it kills off and it dies. So it doesn't get used. So the one that actually helps us with stress is actually really sensitive to stress itself. Wow. Yeah. So you can really see that there's a big correlation with that bacteria chain. So you can see that when I've got a client that's really stressed and anxious and I have a look at their stool testing, I can see that lactobacilli, I know it's going to be nearly non-existent and lots of other bacteria as well. And you see the same, I'm starting to see the same correlations after looking at a lot of them, you know? Yeah, of course. And so, so what, without, you know, I guess suggesting that people go and take stool samples from their friends and family and, and partners and try and <laughs> input in, implant them within themselves. Like what are some of the, um, the, the processes that we can do again, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about little things every day, what are some of the things you can do every day to start helping to improve that gut health? Cause I'm, I'm thinking like when, when you're talking here, like 
when I was on my journey of like depression and, and really bad anxiety, like my diet was, that wasn't awful, awful, but there was a lot of like sugary content, a lot of like burgers, a lot of like fatty, you know, foods that we know aren't good for us. Right. You, you know, you're looking at a big greasy burger that it's not going to be the healthiest thing you can eat. Mm. And, and my diet was, was, was filled with a lot of that. And, you know, I, I feel like there was a strong correlation between that and, and my mood and my mindset at the time. Um, and once I started to take more care of that, along with other things like, you know, my meditation practice and all these other things that I do, like those feelings of depression and anxiety kind of alleviated a bit. So what are some things that, that people can start looking at day to day and, and start making those really tiny tweaks to their day to try and improve that, that gut health to then improve their mental and, and also physical health? Yeah, great question, man. And great awareness with yourself, though, you know, to see that those um, changes that you made from your diet just to change the way that your uh, mental health was working. Mm. And I guess everything there is awareness is the key. Yeah. Once we've but, got that awareness, we can start to make those decisions. To, to be honest, man, that was only in hindsight. That wasn't a conscious decision at ah, the time. It wasn't like, yeah. I, you know, it was it was an awareness of I didn't feel great. That was the awareness. And then beyond that, it was like, okay, what things can I do that I know are good, going to be good for me that are going to serve me? So things like meditation, like, you know, going to the gym regularly and working out, getting the, you know, the endorphins going. Um, and also like looking at what I'm eating. Like, I'm, I'm, do I feel great when I eat a, a big bag of crisps or, or, or a big bag of sweets? Yeah, it's quite nice at the time. But then after I always feel pretty shitty. So there's, there, there was clearly a correlation. So it was, it was more of an awareness of like, there are things that I can change and it was looking mm. at that area that was one of them rather than going, maybe because I'm eating this, I'm feeling this way. But in hindsight, I can see how they could be related. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it always is in hindsight, you know, it always is. Every event has a significance, you know, it contains mm. a message for us to find. So it's definitely just sometimes when we're in the mix of it, we can't really see it right there. And then, mm. um, so what can somebody do to um, start making little improvements on their gut health. Well, there's many ways to tackle it, but let's just go with the basics. Let's go with the very bare basics. We need to make sure what's coming in the mouth is going to be optimal. And we need to make sure that the way that is leaving the body is optimal. So I'm a big fan of squatty potties. So again, this is a, this is a little biohack and making our bodies um, naturally do what it was meant to do in the wild. You know, we are, animals of nature we wasn't meant to get to probably well, we maybe wasn't meant to get to where we are in life and build toilets we're meant to be in a squat position when we go to the toilet and our spine and our colon and our intestines are also to be nice and open for us to be able to get the stool and the poop out of our body to be able to really release it otherwise that gets stored what's the point of eating all the good food taking all the supplements but then you're not functionally going to the toilet mm -hmm. correctly so let's fix the top bit. So making sure the foods that you're consuming are right for you. And when we go down to the bottom area, let's make sure that you're functionally going to the toilet correctly there as well. So let's just do the top and the half. Then as we go in a little bit closer, let's have a look at what's going on with actually your gut. You've got any symptoms? What symptoms are they? Is it bloating? Is it constipation? Is it diarrhea? What's going on for you in, in those? Is it brain fog? So you can do a lot of guesswork and figuring out, doing some elimination diets, taking foods away, seeing what foods trigger you. But I'm a big fan of just doing a test. If you don't test, you guess, you know, is what I'm saying. And I understand everyone can't always afford to do stool testing. 
There's lots of ranges out there. I use a company called Omnimus Me um, just because they're pretty easy and they put it all up together for you. There's some tests that are like a grand for one mm. test, which is just a lot out of people's price range. So have a test, find out what's going on with your bacteria, then start to work with a practitioner to actually tell you what's going on with that. So is it leaky gut that you might have? Is it SIBO? May you have parasites? Have you been, in, have you been uh, around mold? Have you lived in a student housing accommodation with mold? Have you been bitten by a tick? All these things will make big differences on how your gut is functioning. So once we start to have a look at that, we can then can have a look at how is your body breaking down the food that you are consuming? So is your stomach acid working properly? So our hydrochloric acid is probably the chain. Again, it's the first bit that comes down our throat into our esophagus, mm -hmm. into the stomach. That's what cleans the pathogens and gets it all ready to go into the stomach. Most people's stomach acidity starts to drop after one use of antibiotic use. Yeah. And that can take years to come to come to come to light. So if you have one use of antibiotics, which most people have, your stomach acidity and digestive enzyme production starts to really drop. So we want to start getting that back up, right? Before we can start fixing the microbiome and the bacteria problem. So we, we, you can use supplements called Betine, HCL, and pepsin that can really sort of help with, you'd have to do your research into what's right for you, of course, um, that can really help with your stomach acidity and then going into your enzyme production and, there, and so forth. Then you can have a look at just eating good foods. Now, good whole foods. Now, I'm not going to tell everybody what diet is best for you, but everyone needs different diets. Everyone needs different things. So if that be plant-based or carnivore or, you know, not carnivore as such, but, you know, a more paleo sort of way of living. What I will say is get as best sourced food as possible, especially when you've got a compromised gut. Like you don't want to be eating um, conventional meats that's got antibiotics and hormones in it. I've just told you what antibiotics do. So why would you eat meat that's got antibiotics in it as well? It's just, you don't want to eat diseased meat because you, you're going to end up with disease, you know, it's, just sort of common sense in that, in that certain area. Then to start to make your sources good whole live foods from, you know, if you're eating vegetables, lots of microbiome rich foods that's grown well, not sprayed with pesticides and fungicides. And then let your body start to do its thing. I could go on and on and on <laughs> about these, yeah. a little bit of these things, but there's a few little things for you to look at and for you to do to work on. I wouldn't even go down the route of probiotics. Probiotics can be problematic for some people. There's lots of people telling you to have probiotics, but it depends on your bacteria and how your gut functions. So I wouldn't even recommend that to everybody straight mm -hmm. away. I'd look at what your gut is doing before you start chucking stuff in and seeing what happens. Yeah, I love that. And, and thank you for sharing because there's a lot of amazing tips in there. And and I did actually wonder, like, what where do supplements play a role in terms of you know, for someone who is quite active and works out, you know, they might be taking like a protein supplement or certain vitamins. Does the same apply to those in terms of like making sure, you know, and I'm assuming that there's some, some, uh, protein brands that are, that are full of crap and some that are really good, high standard quality that are better for you. So what, where, where's the, the relationship with those sort of things as well? Um, I guess my thoughts on the matter is, if we can't get it from nature, try not to eat it. If it wasn't around 10,000 years ago, 
try not to eat it. You know, my whole thing and my philosophy on life is trying to hack my way back to nature. So mm-hmm. I don't have protein powders, you know, trust me, I've had my fair share of them. <laughs> and I'm not, uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying anybody does that, uh, that, that that's bad for you. Just try to have a look at the ingredients. Mm. If you can't pronounce what's on the back of food that you're consuming, look into that, look into what the causes are of corn syrup, GMO foods, MSGs, soy, all of these things, see what they do to your gut. Be your own detective and understand what the things you are that you're consuming. So supplements play a big role, I believe, in when it comes to healing a compromised gut. So when somebody has a compromised gut, they're not able to break down the food efficiently. They're not getting the minerals, probably because also they're consuming bad quality food. Their body isn't able to break it down because of the digestive enzymes that they've lost from their gut being compromised. So it just makes sense to eat good quality food and get the, um, the, the minerals and the herbs maybe and the things that will help the body to lift up the gut a little bit, give it a bit of a helping hand in order to help it break down the food sources that you're consuming. So yeah, supplements are, I reckon, beneficial for pretty much everybody when it comes to healing the gut at the very beginning forever no is it needed forever no mm-hmm. but we've got to remember we don't live in a normal society our society is very toxic we're being burdened from pollution to air pollution to wi-fi signals to toxicity on deodorants and all these other these are these other things that our bodies are just being bombarded with mm-hmm. and yes our bodies can deal with them but if your gut is already compromised from an overuse of medication stress bad sleep, antibiotic use, and all the other things, it's not going to function properly to detoxify from those toxins in the first place. Mm-hmm. So a supplement will give you a helping hand on what you're not already getting from your diet. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. That's very helpful. Um, and then the other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on very briefly, because I know it's getting late where you are, so I don't want to keep you up too late, um, is, <laughs> is this relationship we have with technology, right? You mentioned, you know, we have a lot of toxicity in the way that we're living from pollution to wi-fi signals um, and obviously the, the role that technology plays within that is huge you know we're constantly on our phones you know we're doing this via a laptop screen now you know there's you might sit and watch tv there's there's signals all around you phone signals wi-fi signals this signal 5g whatever there's, there's, there's stuff that's kind of just always about so i know that you're quite active in taking like a i think it's a weekly detox from from your phone firstly why and secondly what are the kind of benefits that you get from doing that Mm. yeah man thank you so i do a 48 hour phone detox um every week and i my my work is on my phone you know so i like to try and connect with myself as much as possible and we've got to remember that with social media and technology there's an energy transference a lot of our energy gets poured into other people's dramas and problems so if you've got lots of people that are alarmist or fear-mongery or anxious or depressed or got these things going on our energy draws into that and then it becomes a sort of energy transference that we have. So for me, 
when I do a 24 hour, I, I fast my body 24 hours a, a week as well, or 36 hours. Throughout that time, I lock my phone in a little safe lock box. That mm-hmm. I can't get it out no matter what. Otherwise, I waste a hundred pounds. And I put my <laughs> phone in there and um, it's a chance for my nervous system to fully relax. Has anyone noticed that when you're on your phone and you come off it and you're just a bit agitated and you're a bit tense and you notice that your breathing is really shallow and you're a bit stressed, you're not necessarily even looking at anything. You're just scrolling. And it's that constant comparison wheel that we're seeing all the time is stressing our bodies out Mm -hmm. and our subconscious out. And we need to remember that there's some things in our subconscious that haven't been figured out yet. Our childhood programming, et cetera. So there's going to be things triggering you off without even realizing it whilst you're looking through any news outlet or anything in particular. So having that little break, that little detox as such, to get your dopamine levels back to normal, rather than constantly looking for red hearts and likes and comments and self-worth and neediness from other people and the fear of missing out, it just gives us a chance to really fully relax, really connect with ourselves and I use this time personally to stop my body from constantly digesting food and constantly digesting sources on or consuming sources on, you know, online. Mm-hmm. So I will spend a bit more time in that meditating, going and getting out in nature, doing a bit of yoga, journaling, you know, or going out with my partner and getting out in nature and going for a swim or doing something like that just so I'm actually living in the moment rather than living in the matrix as such, which is just being in this consumerism, you know, technology thing. Mm. I'm not against technology. I love it. My business is on it. Me and you are connecting from it. Mm-hmm. I'm not anti-technology. I'm just balance. Mm-hmm. Find balance. Instead of getting up first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up and looking at your phone and scrolling through your phone, Maybe build a new neural pathway and listen to some affirmations for 10 minutes rather than looking at all the crap that can be on our phone sometimes. Yeah, I think think that's a really long-winded question to answer to your question. (laughs) No, no, it's good, man. The the longer the answer, the better, more often than not. But I think it, it, it is true how we have this relationship with, particularly our phones, we have a relationship with and it, it can be hard to kind of break up from that relationship in a way. And it's, it's even for me, I find ways every day where I try and disconnect from my phone as much as possible. So like my first 90 minutes, maybe two hours of my day, I won't check my phone. I'll, I'll have all my apps lock at like, I think they lock at 9.30 and they don't come active again till 10. And that, mm. that morning for me is, is like much like what you said, it's, it's exercise, it's yoga, it's meditation, it's having my breakfast, it's you know, trying to do things that are in my space and not through my phone. Um, and the evenings, likewise, you know, I, I try and stay off of, you know, checking the TikToks, the Instagrams, the, you know, all the other apps in the evening. And yes, I might have some bad habits with playing PlayStation until before I go to bed, but I still give myself an hour, an hour and a half before I actually go to bed when, from when I've switched off the PlayStation or if I'm watching a film or a program before when I've switched off the TV, I still give myself that hour, hour and a half to ease myself into getting into bed. Because like you said, mm-hmm. your brains are so active. And if you're going into bed particularly, or you're waking up in the morning first thing and all you're doing is switching that, increasing that activity of your brain, it can't be great for you. And it's, I think, you know, taking time, like you said, maybe one day a week to, to really go 
and put your phone in a, in a safe box or lock it away in a drawer or so I will give it to someone and say, don't give it back to me till tomorrow. I mean, if it's like your partner or whatever, it could be really powerful too. Isn't it mad that we've got to that point in our society yeah. that we have to go, I have, I have a hundred pound lockbox. Yeah. So I can keep my phone away and it had to be expensive. Otherwise I would, I would just smash it open. Sometimes <laughs> I've, I've got to that point where I'm like, Oh, I need to check this thing because of this thing and this work thing. And I make up excuses. It's like a, I'm like a person dieting, trying to avoid a donut. It's that addiction <laughs> that we've got. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. What do you play on PlayStation? Call of Duty. It's just, oh, you're a cod, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's for, for, particularly through lockdown because it's like me and my friends have kind of, obviously we, we couldn't see each other. So it was a good way to kind of connect, you know, yeah. in the evenings and, you know, on like a Friday or Saturday night and just have like a couple of hours where we have a bit of banter, we have a laugh and we, we yeah, yeah. play you know, shoot them up to 14 year olds across the world. So <laughs> that's nice though, man. That's self-care. Yeah. That's self-care yeah, it right is. there. It Just is. because it's not yoga and meditation, and all the funky things. That's self-care. You're, you're communing you're, you're with your brother, brothers and communicating with each other. So exactly. You know, I think some people like, um, Oh, if you're not meditating all the time or reading 17 books a day, you're not, do you know what I mean? That's just silly. Yeah. It's life. I play computer every now and then, you know, I play computer, but I just play like random stuff. Yeah, I want to get uh, the new PS5 in November, but it's, it's, uh, it's got to be all plugged into Wi-Fi's and all sorts of stuff, and I ain't going down that route. <laughs> you can get it done, though. You get, or you just play play on your own. You don't need the the Wi-Fi to 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 download it. They're not the same, though, is it? You know, yeah, like, it's <laughs> still an act of self care. Like, and I think that's important, yeah. isn't it? It's like finding those yeah. pockets during your day that are things that you're doing just for your own pleasure and not you know, for anything else. I did, I did a post on my Instagram yesterday about how, you know, I went on holiday um, at the end of August and came back at the beginning of September. And one of the things I really realized is that I was lacking play, play time, fun time mm. in my life. And that doesn't mean that I don't find my work fun because I do like this conversation, you know, podcasting, you know, coaching to me is very fun. That's why I do it. But it's not strictly play because I'm still very much, you're in that that work mode in a way, but having strict playtime is something that I'd been lacking, and I've been getting on my skateboard a lot since I've been back. I've been out like four yeah. or five times since I've been back over the last like three four weeks, and I realised yesterday that that is just I'm doing that for me. I'm not doing that because you know I'm there's anything that I'm trying to achieve or anything to do. I'm doing it because I enjoy being out on that board yeah. and trying things and testing myself and seeing you know whatever. And it's just. It's yeah. for me, it's pure play. There's nothing else um, um, connected to it. It's just pure play. And I think sometimes we lack that a lot in our lives is like, okay, cool. You're doing this and you're achieving that. And you're, you know, you're doing well at work and you've got a great relationship and this and that, but what do you do for playtime? Mm. <laughs> no? And one thing I, like Alex, like the message for all of your listeners there is get outside and play. Mm. And sometimes people don't know what play means. So when I get some of my clients I, as a little task, I write down 20 things that they love doing as a child. Mm. Well, they just love doing 20 things. It's quite difficult once you get into it. And then with those 20 things, you start trying to do three of them a week, set some time aside to go play computer, go on your skateboard, go and surf, go and draw, write and uh, paint a picture. You know, it doesn't have to be anything mad. It doesn't have to be for hours. I understand people with kids. But if you've got some time aside where your partner can look after the kids so you can go and do a bit of play time for yourself, then yeah, man, that's healing. That's proper yeah. healing. That's that's looking after our inner child. You've got to remember, 
we're all little boys. We just shave now. That's the difference. <laughs> exactly. Or not. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing in that is even if you do have children, like get them involved in it. If you're doing painting for yourself, like get the kids involved. Like you know, yeah. you can still have fun in that in that world that is you're doing things for yourself, but you can include other people within it as well. So I've got like a little skateboard, like older uh, skateboard crew that we've got a little WhatsApp group, and you know, when someone goes to the park, I say, hey, I'm going to head there Friday at ten. Is there anyone else around? And it's quite cool because it's a social thing, but you're out and you're having play and you're chatting. It's it's nice, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, class. That's good. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Awesome, man. Look, I, as I said, man, I, I appreciate the time and I appreciate that it is getting quite late over there now. So um, to kind of to wrap us up, um, I have one final question for you, which is what does happiness mean for you? Um, happiness means to me contentment. That's happiness, what it means to me. In one word, contentment. To be content with what I've got as it is right now without wanting or wishing just what I've got. I don't necessarily believe happiness is really a thing. I believe it's a market employee to get us to consume. Mm. That when we get to this holy grail, we will be happy. When we have this mortgage and this big house and this car, we will be happy. When we have this body, going back to the first thing you asked me, you'll be happy. And I think that once we learn, happiness for me is pure and utter contentment Mm -hmm. with what's going on and what I've got going on for me right now with contentment there is a sense of acceptance so that's happiness to me and being okay with all of that even if it's a bit uncomfortable sometimes yeah i love that man i think that's yeah very powerful and very true i think that's that a lot of my beliefs is is founded in a lot of this the same stuff there in in and if you're content with what you have now and where you're at like you'll be content with that forever and that's not to say you can't achieve things or have goals but it takes you off of the the hamster wheel of this chasing happiness instead of experiencing it and 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 living from a state of happiness now. Mm. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, I feel you there. Awesome, man. Look, I'll let you crack on with your evening. But before we sign out, do you want to let people know where they can keep up to date with you online and where they can check out more of what you do and anything else you kind of want to shout about? Yeah, sure, man. So uh, for all the brothers out there, um, that maybe if anyone, I don't know if any of your listeners live in Australia or anyone that listens through me posting about this podcast, I run a man tribe. That's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I want to talk. It's completely free. There is no charge to this. This is about other brothers getting together, men supporting men. Um, we get out in nature, do nature immersion. We give a, a few minutes of each other to talk. No one's fixing each other. It's just a space of like-minded individuals, more conscious guys that are doing a bit of yoga, meditation, cold therapy. We all get in the seat together and chant and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And it's just something that's really passionate to me. Um, so if there is anyone out there that wants to come along for them, I run them all around New South Wales. They're more than welcome to come along for them. They're completely free. Um, and if you're interested in any of the babble I've talked about on this podcast, then um, pop along to my Instagram and it's Ryan, the holistic health coach, man. Other than that, you'll probably see everything there. So appreciate Alex, man. Thank you for awesome. this. And Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. You too, man. It's been a pleasure to connect as well, man. And, and you know, I wish you all the best of everything you're doing. And, you know, you're on, on an amazing journey and inspiring a lot of people. So uh, I thank you for that as well. Yeah. Bless, brother. Thank you. 
so i hope you enjoyed that episode really really fascinating chat with ryan and i really uh, you know appreciate his time because it was so late in australia by the time we finished but so much honesty and openness in that conversation and i really hope there was a lot of value you could take from it and if you did like what you heard then please be sure to leave a review and even better still hit that subscribe button so that you get the latest episode straight to your phone and if you know someone who you think would really benefit from hearing this episode then be sure to send them a link or a screenshot because it's really really important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this because i started this podcast to help inspire a positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing this episode as ever you can connect with me on instagram at i am alex manzi let me know what you thought of this episode let me know what you learned and i look forward to hearing you over there but until then Thank you for listening and I'll see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.